Conversations with the inspiring minds. Using design and creativity towards social change. This is Design for the People with Greg Bunbury. Hello and welcome. I'm Greg Bunbury. I'm the host. And on this show, I'll be speaking to designers, artists, creative thinkers, and activists who use their skills to tackle social issues, uplift communities, and change the world for the better. And joining me on today's episode is the super talented Nadina Ali. Nadina is a self-taught designer, originally from Marseille, France. She has 10 years combined experience in fashion design, product development, and graphic design. Her work has a strong focus on typography and colorful graphics and reflects her passionate viewpoints on social justice, sustainability, and inclusive business practices. I've had the good fortune to work with Nadina as part of our Black Outdoor Art Initiative, and I can attest that as her profile indicates, she does indeed drive positive change in everything she does. Nadina, welcome to the show. Thank you. And uh, thanks for having me. Thank uh, you. That was a great intro. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like... Good. Yeah, I'm yeah, ready for this yeah, now. That's it. Like, We're setting okay, you up, yeah. setting you yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I wondered yeah. if you could start by just sort of introducing uh, your background a little bit. As a, a, a self-taught creative, how does your design work around social justice and anti-racism begin? Um, well, I'm a black Muslim immigrant, working class woman. So it's very hard not to talk about social justice, to be honest, because that's been part of my life. Um, like that's been part of my life, my whole life, really. Um, you know, growing up in a country that never really accepted people like me, you know, because my parents are from Comoros, um, was like a French colony. So obviously they were immigrants in France. And um, there's always been this feeling of, if you're not white, you're not French enough. So you grow up feeling like you're part of a society that that doesn't really accept you. And even for me growing up, I felt like I couldn't even call myself French because I wasn't proper French because I wasn't white, basically. Um, so that's always been something I've been aware of, like the colonial past of uh, the country I was living in. And then, uh, yeah, just seeing that racism is still happening to this day and it's just really hard not to talk about it because it's part of your daily life, sadly. Uh, so for me, it was a no brainer to just talk about it. Like I, I, I just couldn't see myself doing anything else. I don't really have the luxury of turning a blind eye to what's happening out there. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that struck me about your work is, um, in doing the black outdoor art initiative, it's surprising how many black creatives don't have uh, or haven't processed their own politics or haven't processed their own viewpoints. And when you challenge people on their politics and when you say, you know, what does this represent? What does this mean to you? What does equality mean? What does diversity mean? What does inclusion mean? Uh, it's, it's difficult for some people, but what I liked about your work is that you've done that work. Like you've, you've already processed your politics and you have a strong sense of the things that you advocate for. So in building your political sensibilities, was that from just reading or was that from uh, conversations around you, your community? For me, it, it really was personal experience because what you have to understand is I had to go through being an outsider 
pretty much twice because I felt like an outsider in France. And then I moved to this country and I was still an outsider because I'm not from here effectively. So uh, uh, that's always in my mind, like all the time. Um, and for me, it's just just being in touch with who you are and, you know, being aware of what's going on around you. It's really hard to be insensitive to black people being killed, like for no reason still to this day. Uh, and you don't necessarily need to read many books. Like you just need to have like some kind of basic sensitivity really to what's going on. And it's, you can't just pretend that it's not happening either. I can understand that for some people, it can be quite daunting to go there because um, I think a lot of people associate talking about these issues or speaking up about these issues with activism. But sometimes it's just about speaking up and calling out racism when you see it. You don't need to be an activist to do that. You just need to have a mouth. <laughs> it's not, it's really not that hard. Like it's not that hard. And I think once people realize that, I think some people are also scared to be called an activist, like it's still a scary thing for some people. But once you realize that you're just using your common sense and trying to do the right thing just by speaking up, then I think it just makes it a bit easier to process, I guess. For sure. Um, one of the things that I talk about a lot is when people think of activism, they think of posters, they think of marches, and they think of protests. But activism can take many forms. So when we were uh, in your intro, when we talk about inclusive business practices, activism might just be how you conduct yourself in your business and the kinds of companies you align yourself with or the kinds of companies that you partner with. Uh, activism might be using one printer over another printer or using a more sustainable process over another. So is that something that you work into how you run your business? Yeah, I do. Because uh, working in fashion, which obviously is, uh, has its own issues, I've always been very uh, conscious about the um, issues around the environment, how fashion is damaging to the environment, and even to the people, how fashion exploits some people in certain parts of the world just to make items. And um, so for me, for instance, sustainability has always been something that I really cared about. And for instance, I started doing clothing recently and um, I'm using a sustainable printer. So they use organic cotton and they use water-based ink and it's made in the UK. So I know that in terms of doing things right, they got all those boxes ticked. Um, so sometimes it's just about making the right choices and realize that the choices you make are really important that there's a lot of power in what choice you decide to make like even as a consumer um who you decide to buy from is really important um you know doing your research is really important and making sure that you're not you know buying from people who as i said before exploit other people in the name of making a profit um so it's just making more conscious choices, basically, and not just, you know, buy things for the sake of buying things. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, I mean, this kind of leads me into my next question. Um, when it comes to uh, tackling social issues or being uh, more aware or being activists in our business practices, do black creatives have an obligation to be political? Should we be talking about issues or is there space 
for is it okay for some people to just not go there i'd say um black creatives can do it and it's good if they do it because you will come from an honest place of a, from a place of they experienced it so then they know what it feels like and they are in the best position to uh, express how it feels and to provide solution to how we can tackle these issues. That said, I, f I don't think there should be this expectation of as a black creative, we have to be activists. I, I really want to stress that, that we shouldn't feel obliged to do it. If we want to do it, that's fine. And that's uh, commendable, but we shouldn't feel the pressure to be the social justice fighters because effectively we've been social justice fighters by default for so many you know centuries now and it's it's exhausting like if if you have the the energy to do it like go for it but you shouldn't be expected to do it and it can be really challenging if you're a black person in a predominantly white environment because especially with what's been happening lately i'm sure i mean i, I didn't have to deal with that luckily but i'm sure there's been this expectation of oh you're the black person so you're the expert on this topic so we're just going to come to you to ask questions all the time, and that shouldn't happen either. Um, so I, I I want people to be able to do what they want. If you want to be talking about social issues, go for it. But if you don't want to, that's fine as well. But what I'd say is, um, if possible, if you don't want to go there, then don't discredit the movement. I yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, for sure. One of the things I like now. Of course, because uh, when, especially when dealing with media and especially when these issues are going on, uh, every black person becomes a spokesperson for every yeah. black person exactly. in the Afro-Caribbean diaspora. Yeah. And mm. black culture is not a monolith. Yeah, like, exactly. hundred percent agree. Yeah. The difference between countries in Africa are like the differences between France and Spain. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, the, those experiences are all valid but they're not identical. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with regards to the political climate at the moment, um, at the time of recording this, um, there's uh, a lot of protests happening in Paris at the moment um, with regards to this controversial security bill. Um, how is there, a, did you feel a difference between the climate in say in France and then in London? Uh I don't know if it is because I always felt like the reason why I came to the UK in the first place is because yes, there's racism here, but it's not as in your face as in France. Like in France, it's, it's very aggressive. The way France is becoming this very racist, Islamophobic country, uh, I don't think I'd be comfortable as a black Muslim woman in France right now because the climate is so hostile towards us. And, um, and I, I, I really feel like all these issues have been there for so long, but they've just been like pushed under the carpet kind of. And the government has this tendency to act as if everything was fine, which can be really frustrating. So this is why people are going down the streets because they're not hurt and they, they'll have to go down the street and say, we, we disagree with this and this is not acceptable. And I find that France is really good at doing that. Like people do go down the street to protest as soon as, you know, something they, they don't agree with, they'll take it to the streets. Like 
without thinking twice. Well, I feel like here it's not as automatic, if if it makes sense. Like it, it has to reach a point where it's it's really unbearable for people to go down the streets. I feel like it's been happening a lot more recently with all the Black Lives Matter movement, but um, I feel like it's not in the culture to. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. That yeah. reservation. Yeah, 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 yeah. It takes us a while to get that momentum yeah. to build up yeah. to, you know, yeah, that yeah, tipping yeah. point. So, yeah. I mean, with regards to that, um, uh, you did a billboard for our Black Outdoor Art Initiative. Uh, for anybody who hasn't seen the Black Outdoor Art Initiative, it's a project that I run with an outdoor agency called Brotherhood Media, where we take billboards and use them as platforms of expression for uh, black creatives in the wake of Black Lives Matter. Um, so the work that you did for us was an amazing piece called Decolonize Everything. Um, Thank can you. Can you give me some background on, on how that came to be? So um, as I mentioned earlier, being um, a child of immigrants who came from a previously colonized country, the concept of colonialism has always been prevalent in my life. Um, even if obviously in history class, they, they don't really say anything bad about it. They mention it and you just have to accept that it happened and that's pretty much it. But recently I've noticed that there's been a lot more talk happening about, um, you know, how colonialism still has negative consequences to this day and that we really need to make a conscious effort to decolonize pretty much yeah, everything, like in particular, the curriculum, um, you know, there's, I think there's this major issue um, about how history is portrayed in history book when it tends to be through the white lens, if you, if, if you want, and where things are portrayed in a way that, that puts white people in a, you know, in a good position and mm -hmm. make us look like we're always the one who needs to be schooled or you know yeah. civilized and yeah. that's a colonial mindset like this is how colonialism works white people went to like foreign countries that they had no understanding of in terms of culture or you know um how they worked and they decided that the way they lived was better that's mm -hmm. that's that's not something that's effectively that's not you can't say that's the right way to do things just because you decide that's, that's, that's just not acceptable. But uh, I do feel like to this day, this kind of mentality still carries on in the sense that we look at um, anything that comes from a white perspective as um, the best way to do things or it should be the universal way to do things. And that's, that's simply not true. And especially even in terms of narratives, we tend to look at white narratives as the one we should look up to or the ones that represent the majority. But again, that's not true. So for me, decolonizing everything is about making sure that everybody gets a voice and we need to stop um, saying or putting the white model on the pedestal as this is what we should follow because it's, it's no longer relevant. We live in a multicultural society. I don't think we can still follow those outdated rules. Um, but I feel like this conversation is not really people. Some people are talking about it, but it's not yet at the forefront. 
And um, I think this this is part of fighting racism as well. That's something people need to understand. The moment we the moment we decide to stop putting everything white on the pedestal and appreciating that all cultures have something to bring to the table, then we can move forward. But until that happens, then we're just going to repeat the same mistakes that we've made in the past. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, I think what it is, is tackling systemic change. So, you know, you kind of have these kind of soft power models where people think that fighting racism is about how many black people are on television or Mm. how many black athletes earn X amount of money. But when you start talking about challenging systemic racism, Mm. you talk about education, you talk about Mm. policing, we talk about the prison system, we talk about recruitment. When we start tackling these institutions, that's when it gets a little scary and people are sometimes less willing to go there with regards to tackling things like education, as opposed to something like, you know, how many black actors are in movies. You know, yeah. so it's the and, it's a harder fight. And I think that's because effectively you are um threatening some people's privileges and they can feel it. So that's why it's uncomfortable for them to not only acknowledge that they have to do that work, but to just the idea of, oh, I, I'm gonna to have to share my share of privilege with other people. I don't want to do that. Effectively that's what they're saying. I think that's what people don't want to have that conversation. Like challenging the status quo is is, is really hard because mm. some people have been in position of power for a long time just because they happen to be white men. And that hasn't been challenged for a very long time. And now it's being challenged. Obviously there's going to be some resistance, but this is why we have to do the work our end and just push as much as we can for this to change because they're not going to change it. (laughs) They're not going to change it. No one can give you your change. Exactly. Take it. Yeah. 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 What do you hope for your work? If you could like, if you could achieve everything that you wanted to achieve with your work, what would be your ultimate goal? I want my work to um, reach as many people as possible in terms of ensuring that these conversations happen in as many circles as possible. I don't want it to just be, oh, I'm a black creative talking to black people. I want it to reach a wide audience. So because at the end of the day, fighting racism is a collective effort. We have to do it because it affects us, but it's effectively, we didn't create this problem um, white people did, so we can help. But at the end of the day, they have the power to do the change we need. And um, I think it just starts with having these conversations. And I'm hoping that my work will help make that work happen a bit faster. Like if it's more visible, it'd be easier to challenge people mindsets more. Uh, because I think a lot of people are still set in their ways and they, they easily turn a blind eye to these issues. So if it's out there and they walk past it, they can't just ignore it. Cause if they say it, then whatever happens, they will have to think about it. So that, that's what I really want to do with my work. Just being places where it's not necessarily expected. Yeah. Well, I mean, your perspective is amazing. Um, I love your work. I love the fact that you're, uh, you're not afraid to use color and uh, life and vitality and energy 
into it. It's not somber. It's not sad. Yeah. It's joyful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, you know, I really, really appreciate the stuff that you're doing and Thanks I think lot. we're going to see a lot more from you. Yeah. Let's hope so. I think so as well, but yeah, let's hope so. As long as we're alive <laughs> next year and the world doesn't end, I think so. <laughs> well, we just got to keep it going. Where can people yeah. find you? What's your, what's your tags? What's your Instagram? Uh, my Instagram is Nadina did this. Uh, that's where I'm the most active. So uh, there's links there to my poster shop, clothing shop. Um, and then I'm also on Twitter, not that active, but I'm in there. Nadina did this. And I think I'm on Facebook as well as Nadina did this. But yeah, if you, if you put Nadina did this in Google, you'll find me definitely 100%. Okay. We'll include all those links in the show notes and, um, yeah, go out, go and check out her work. Uh, at the time of this podcast airing, if you're in the East London area, you can see Nadina's billboard in, uh, Bethnal Green on, uh, Cambridge Heath Road. Um, Nadina, thanks for joining me. It's been awesome. I really appreciate thanks, uh, you giving your time and, um, yeah, thanks to everybody for listening and, uh, join me again next week. We have more conversations with those looking to change the world for better. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to Design for the People with Greg Bunbury.